0: Okay, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, reading 5, verse 38. It's a word to approach December. We oui. weren't even in December, but your approach is such that you can January blues is a real thing. You cannot, like it's scientifically proved that January blues is a real thing that the mood within people goes boom. It's January, because we've overspent, we've overeaten, and we've overindulged, if if you can, and we've maybe gotten lazy, and we're propelling into this January blues. And this world this morning is and it was the stuff Fiona had read my notes, to be fair. She, she opened wonderfully the service. Thank you, Fiona. I was our first time sharing for the front in this fellowship out with our baptism. Very, very great job. It was like she had read my notes to deal with intimacy, to deal with leaning on the Lord, to deal with not being too busy. And I'm saying this, Kenan, that I probably say this every year about myself that December and the festive season is to celebrate. Jesus coming to planet earth to save us. But sometimes we follow our diaries and calendar so much that it becomes everything to do with the busyness of the season and very, very little to do with investing in your relationship with Jesus. And I'm determined, and I maybe say this every year, but I'll have to say it again this year. I didn't want January blues. I don't want to hit January and think I'm burnt out. My relationship with Jesus is lacking. I've overspent, overeaten, overindulged. And I need a spiritual revival to get me back on track. So this is a word of be careful, knowing that we as a fellowship are coming into a very busy season. Next weekend, Friday night, great. The youth club party. Historically. One of my favorite services in the church calendar. The night I get to dress up and it gets to be fun. Superheroes. My Batman costume arrives yesterday. I, I, Isaac, he's not wheel by the way. That's why he's the here. He's coming in a rush. And he was in a bath yesterday and uh, bought my Batman costume. I <laughs> jumped in and gave him the scare all his life. Hi there, Isaac. I'm coming to meet you. You just bought mine, you just have to do a deep voice, right? So, oh, it's just great. And then Sunday, Saturday morning, we've got breakfast with Santa. That's just amazing with the little. Kids and they'll be there, and there's pancakes and stuff. It just seems to be getting better and better. On oh, Sunday, with the Christmas meal, again, one of the highlights. If you haven't got your tickets, please see Kylie after the service. So the rest of Saturday will be preparation. Isabel was on a. She usually does the preparation work in and out, take the turkeys in and out of the oven. Well, she's double booked. She has got a. Evening with her work colleagues. No, no, something else is going on. She's, got, she's out on a anyway. while. Isabella will tell you, stuff goes, information with me goes, and one log in, out the other log. I just can't, she's out. So far as the turkey, put her take a route out this year. Yeah, right? So i this just sign a disclaimer. If you get food poisoning, that was not the Christmas meal. That was something else and it's busy. And we've got the pensioner's meal the, the Wednesday after that. See, Rebecca, if you're uh, Y-Inclined. It was a Saturday last year, but Saturdays seem to be awful. So, we've got to try it on a Wednesday, and we'll prepare for that as well. But the approach to this season is to be so careful That if you approach it like already, I'm so busy, I'm so tired, I got time, I'm doing nothing, nobody's doing anything I help me, you will fail and you will ruin it for you. And you'll miss the reason for the season that is Jesus. And when I read this story about Mary and Martha, I can see how the spirit of Martha can invade my life so easily. And this week I've been brain fog. I can fit. So I've got some I've fit mark and fios. Maybe had just you're never feeling hundred percent. The decisions you're trying to mark, and somebody asks you a simple question, and try to prepare for an AGM, and I'm sitting doing thinking. I write some stuff, and then I delete some stuff, and then I write that sounds good, and then you look at the day that sounds bad, and brain fog. The worries, the cares, or the, the, the stuff to be done can overwhelm us, and I can see it in my cell. I can see it in church life as well. We'll read the Scripture, then we'll say see, see a few things. Just to say, if this is nonsense, just to say, I have just said, I've been brain fog for a hell of week, so we'll see how we go. As Jesus and His disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, the backstory: story, if you read in Luke chapter 9, this is relevant. Jesus has already fed 5,000 men plus women and kids. He fed 5,000 families with a few loaves and a few fish. This is a guy that can't multiply food. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. First thing I'll say about Martha, she loved Jesus. She opened up her home for Jesus. She was not a rebel. She was not a blasphemer. She was a friend of Jesus. I love and it speaks about Jesus' ministry, and it speaks about women being there, providing for Him. Jesus picked 12 men, but it wasn't just 12 men that followed Him. At other times, it speaks about the the woman getting involved. And I tell you something, this church wouldn't be the church it is if we didn't hear the feminine touch, the woman getting involved, they bring a different aspect, and through history our churches, is about men, 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 men. But Jesus was embraced by women also in the cared for Him, and you see it in this few verses. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He taught. That word listening wasn't it just hearing. It was as she was involved in our whole being, if it was being said. She wasn't just in the room listening; she was embracing, taking pleasure in what Jesus was saying. It's amazing how our even our body can be in one place, but our mind can drift. I didn't even presume that while you've been in church, every moment that while you've been here. You have been involved in the listening aspect. Boy, your are hell-being. You've maybe thought about your secret Santa that you have to buy, and you've, in your mind you've scored off the checklist. You're thinking about dinner time. Even though being in this building, our mind can drift to different spaces and places. She wasn't just sitting at Jesus' feet with are mind on other things. She was there, present, just looking in the eyes of her Savior, Involved in what he was saying, but Martha, and this is what we have to be careful. of. but Martha was distracted by the big dinner. She had the big Christmas meal going on. She was peeling the Brussels sprouts. She was peeling the spuds. She was organizing. She had welcomed Jesus into her home before even got her. She had been to Tesco's, she got the club card points, she would in the bars full of stuff, and she was extremely prepared. Distracted by the big dinner, she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord says to her, my dear Martha, in the original version it says, Martha, Martha, back in that context, when you repeated somebody's name twice. It was to be an embrace. The likelihood was never that Jesus was saying, woe Wa to you, Martha. Jesus is into service. He's into people serving in the body of Christ. This is Jesus with a heart of compassion. You are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. That's the end of our passage. A few things to say with the difference between the Martha spirit and the Mary spirit. Again, I'll say, I have seen the Martha spirit being generated within my cell. And there's a leaning towards local church and the global church, towards the Martha spirit. The first thing I would say was Martha thought this, I must do all things well. Mary just thought, I must do this one thing well. This must take priority in my life. You can imagine Martha in the kitchen. She's going, ah, that's excellent food. She has welcomed Jesus into her home. She's been watching Master Chef to get excellent at cooking. She's trying to glean. If I have to prepare a meal for Jesus, what should that look like? She loves him. She reveres him. You would be cooking your top notch stuff. I'm the best in the kitchen. I can manage. Isabel's better than me. We have different styles in the kitchen. Isabel's a perfectionist. And she tidies up as she goes. She think yeah. You use a pot, you wash it. She measures out stuff. Like if I was just twenty miles of white wine vinegar for this. She will get the twenty miles thing out and pour it. If I was like I oh, very particular. I'll just go blonk. That <laughs> looks like twenty mil to me, right? David Schwimmer. That looks like twenty mil to me. And then the one, one, number one thing about cooking is testing. So, you get to taste. If there's not enough, she's just, okay, you need more salt, you need more vinegar, you need stuff like that. I'll just add it. And Isabel's very particular. She'll use a pot, she'll wash a pot. If you came in and I was in the kitchen, it's a bomb site. Then I'll dish it up. Then I'll worry about clearing up after. This week I made shh, chicken fried rice scratch. Well, Isabel learned how to make fried rice for Eddie over there when he did a cooking class in the meeting. Nobody else, I was was not there. You are your egg fried rice experts for gleaning for the past, standing on the shoulders of giants. So, when I came out, when Isabel came in, Isabel was working, I thought, right, I'll just give this a bash and the soya sauce and the egg, da-da-da-da-da, and she came in and was like, are you trying to outdo me? Because I the cans, that she makes the best fried rice. I've got to say, it was, as the Chinese would say, if it was balisimo. I think that's what they would say. <laughs> Maybe need a language lesson now, but it was, I reckon only Chinese words for that's good. Martha was, I must do this well. It must be 20 mil. I must get the right stuff. This is for Jesus. She was a perfectionist. She was wanting to put on a Michelin star, eating production for Jesus. And Martha, Martha knew she had to do wanted to do all things well, Mary just wanted to do one thing well that was listen and sit at the feet, of oh, Jesus. Sometimes in church the buzzword about 10 years ago I would say was this, excellence. The spirit of excellence needs to be portrayed in the church that you must do all things well. And it was deemed for this story that Solomon and I his grandeur and his temple and his home, everything was perfect. And the Queen of Sheba turns up and looks at the perfect service, looks at the perfect grandeur of the temple in Solomon's home and everything to do with Jerusalem and Israel at the time. And the Queen of Sheba says, Wow, there must be a God because we see the perfection of a God in heaven in reality if it was drummed into church leaders for years and years, was to carry a spur of excellence, that people should walk in through church doors and see a place. Doesn't matter about the words so much because they'll get there, but to say, wow, there must be a God because we can see it in the building and in the service and the people at the door. Sometimes I think, is that actually true? Solomon, you will not get a mere adulterous backslider in the Word of God than Solomon. Hundreds of wives, or a thousand concubines. Like, how do you keep in contact with that woman? Why would you want to? One's enough. That's some capacity to carry. And my question is now, does God really care that much about the external apparent excellence about services, about building budgets, conferences that we go to, to look good in the eyes of men, to be puffed up with pride? Is that what He wants? Some of the greatest monuments, coliseums, on the face of the planet, architecturally, are places of worship. God places, but yet if it is God looking for. He's looking for people. He's looking for salvation, and we can plough loads of uh, money, time, and effort in a spur of excellence. But it's at all worth if people are only sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the spirit of excellence has been more than one casualty in leadership because we strive. We strive to be the best. We want to look the best on social media. We want to have the best building. We want to have the best show. We want to have the best multimedia. We want to have the best nativity. The time and the effort to invest in these things. And meanwhile, Jesus, we're like Martha. We want to dish up the best. Yet you might miss the very best. It's gonna be the nativity and next week kids are doing stairs busy. I love the nativity. What are we looking for? Are we looking for a Disney production? Some would. Are we looking for the spirit of excellence for the angels to come doing? Like the dove fair above with their perfect verses and their perfect singing, like Disney. If you want Disney, you go to Disney. The church will always lack in enthusiasm, people, and entertainment, because it's never supposed to be your bag for what I look for. I look for real, like give me a bunch of kids enjoying themselves. I look for the guy that looks like they've had too much Red Bull in the morning. That's why I come to Nativity. Come on, I have, my money's on little Joseph this year, Paul. He's a live liar. As long as baby Jesus gets born on the morning of Nativity, we come as a church family to embrace real people. We are real savior. If you are looking for the spirit of excellence and church life, if you didn't can buy new, you will soon can. We're not at it in here. We didn't spend over increasing budgets. We didn't spend hours and hours of leadership meetings to think, how can we impress a bunch of people for 30 minutes? <laughs> We, we, we just dinner. We hope that your time here is well. But overall, everything we hope Jesus is glorified. That you see a bunch of people being real and in love with each other, and relaxed and able to enjoy the moment, even if it looks like chaos. Even if the kids forget lines. Even if they're not even in step with each other, they're the moments I live for. <laughs> to see them enjoy each other at church. And you want to say to teachers, if they, I might manage their words, relax. It's okay. God's still on the throne. We'll get through this together. Martha was obsessed with everything being real. Every, she would command in every music scenario would be perfection. Every pitch would be right. Oh, the dresses would be insanely beautiful. Oh, the words would be spot on. She'd get disappointment if one thing would be out of line, yet Mary just takes pleasure. And being at the feet, oh Jesus, because she knows there's one thing greater than perceived excellence, and it's here and a meaningful relationship with Jesus. And especially this time, in the Christmas period, we can hear the driving force of the Spirit of Martha, and it can take over and it can navigate our hearts. Yet, before we even approach the first of December, I want to say pastorally, be sweet we Jesus. Martha, excellent, excellent, excellent. But it had to be our downfall. The other thing I would say about Martha, Martha thought she was absolutely indispensable to the cause of Jesus. Mary was concerned with how she was dispensing or her time a defeat. Or Jesus. Martha, the spirit of Martha, is them that think their ministry and their task is the most important thing in the room. It doesn't matter if Abdiel thinks this meal needs to be done. This was the spirit of Martha. She was concerned about fit the meal. Across the road in the room, there was Jesus, the Messiah Himself, teaching parables, encouraging the room, could have been 20, 30 people, the wisdom, the grace of our loving Father. The Spirit of Martha will do this in your heart, my job is the most important job. I am indispensable. This meal needs to get done. It doesn't matter about what's going on our rare and other people are doing. Nobody's helping me. My job needs to be done. And it puts ourselves in a position Or oh, if I didn't do the meal, fa has got to do it. The chapter before Fah multiplied fish and loaf to feed 5,000 families. Jesus. Martha is worried about a meal. Should she be worried about a meal, then in the midst is a dude that can make a meal easily without anybody's help and his hand thanks to the Father distributing a meal. I have sometimes felt as in ministry, the spirit of Martha. It's about my corner, if it's getting done that's helping me. I'm indispensable. If I'm dean is indispensable, it's necessary. And we need to release ourselves for that, that this is Jesus' church. Nobody's, you're important, you're just never that important, to the point that you're indispensable. The preachers will always come at you. You are the only person that can do your job. You're so important in God's eyes. You're the only person that can do you in your ministry. I'm not sure if that's true. I see myself as having a a role in the body of Christ, but I'm never that important that I'm the only guy that can do it. If I was to go to glory at night, some of you would say, well, God's answering our prayers. (laughs) But if I was, somebody will be in this pulpit next Sunday the just well, the role will be fulfilled. Somebody else, Elam would send somebody else up to do the role. The position would be vacant, and it's a good way to live, because she heard that Jesus carefully, everything else loosely. and realize somebody else would pick up his precious word, would navigate and preach. Somebody else would do it. There's many people in this room, if I told you you're preaching next Sunday, you'd say, I can't do de- it, I can't do de- it. You can. If you want to do it this morning, you take a portion of Scripture, you think about it, you meditate on it. I may be able to do myself a job here, right? It's not as difficult as you think. You think it's just incredibly, oh, well, he just must have a direct line to Jesus and preachers are just, this is what we do. We're in positions, we get time to do this, we study the word, but we glean feather people as well. There's this things called commentaries that you read that gives other people's opinions on the scripture. It's like us. Yes, I once heard a preacher say, We milk a lot of coups, but we churn our end butter. So, we did not steal anybody else's sermons, there's a name for that, it. it's a complicated name which I can't of mind. How does God steal stealing other people's sermons. But we glean other people's experience. So, if I says to you, okay, I'll give you a few weeks, Luke chapter 10, Martin Merritt in a few weeks of presentation, 25 minutes, you, we're not, it's not just about, I'll pray about it and God will give me my direct revelation. You would glean for other people's opinions, commentaries. There's this thing, and I can't it you YouTube. Right? You could then type in sermons to deal with that scripture, listen and see if it resonates with your heart. You will hear a lot of fluff and you think, I don't see it like that. The fluff you just put to one side and you let God through his Holy Spirit churn something within you. And then you pull in your own examples or so Isabel in the kitchen and DNS and life examples, and then you have a biblical presentation that we got a sermon on a Sunday morning. Most people, I think, has the capacity to deal. I'm saying that to bring this down and to say, sometimes we think we're the only person in the face of planet Earth we have to do this meal. If I didn't do it and nobody else has gone to do it, woe is me, pity is a fool, until Jesus says, come on, you're busy getting busy. For you are in me is more important than fit your doing. You're incredibly replaceable, but I want you sitting with a posture of praise and worship and listening at my feet. And sometimes the job just has to wait. Somebody else can prepare a meal if you're only capable of DNA and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus maybe just have to take care of it Himself. He can multiply fishing lofts if He really wants to, He can raise up people. But the most important thing is not just getting busy for Jesus, it's in a posture or listening. Jesus loves serving. The body of Christ is nothing without people serving, but there's a greater thing. Listen to this: that I love that Martha says, she's two sisters, right, Mary and Martha. She turned on her little sister. She said, "Us Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here?" While I do all the work, tell her, Jesus, I'm doing all the work. This is really unfair. Jesus, look at Mary, sitting doing nothing. Please, Jesus, can you tell her to remove her cell? Fair her, fair your feet. Come, give me a hand in the kitchen because we're dishing up a meal for you. The spirit of Martha. Will turn people bitter against sisters in Christ and brothers in Christ, whereas Mary was at peace in the Jesus environment. Martha, for was want to control her environment, went against Mary. We a bitter heart and says, "Hold on a minute, I need a hand for Ishidian. This can easily happen in our hearts in ministry. The Spirit of Martha. That as we serve, as we, the best to our ability, serve Jesus, that the Spirit of Martha can come in and create a root of bitterness against somebody else. Because you start thinking, hold on, I'm here serving and far on earth are they. Fars are the helpers. I'm here in the kitchen, pitting on turkeys, taking out turkeys. Be careful of oh, the Martha Spirit. Time and again it says, beware of the root of bitterness that will come up and cause division amongst you be people of peace that will do their thing and live at peace with their brothers and sisters. When a church serves, when we focus on just serving and getting stuff done, it does open itself up to the Martha spirit that will then turn servanthood into looking at other people and trying to say, hold on a minute, I'm doing my best, Jesus, far are they. they, should be in the kitchen with me. Be careful when your heart goes like that, in a kitchen, if it should be the environment, joy. It's not for you to think for other folks doing. Mary just enjoyed the environment. We can enjoy environments in nativities, in meals, in Christmas fairs. we are got to come through these doors. We have gentleness in our heart. Things get destroyed. When good-hearted servant people then turn, Farzabdiels, up the I'm here! Let's get the pitchforks and march to their doors and see where they were at. Well, I was slaving away. Where's my brothers and sisters? You hear what I'm saying? I want December to be enjoyable. If there's only three people in the tents doing stairs at the Christmas fair, and I'm one of them. I'm capable of rustling up some hot dogs. I didn't want to be dean. I want to be, I can do this. It's gonna start at five and end at six. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy the moment. Because we realize our posture is as brothers and sisters in Christ. I've got this picture of Martha. She was cutting onions. She was looking at Martha. She was looking at Mary. She's cutting them. We are bitter spirit thinking, will I say something? Will I say something? Will I say something? She's cutting onions, she's cutting carrots, but she is looking in the opposite direction, thinking, well, I'm going to say something here. Nobody's helping me. Jesus Saint Mary. Be careful when you're cutting vegetables and looking the other way. It's thing can happen. Nice. You could lose a digit or a very nasty accident. Church, let's approach this busy season with the best thing possible. Look at Mary. She never even said a word. While the accusations were flying, she was too involved with Jesus. I can resonate with that. When I'm out of sync with Jesus, I always can. My default is us looking at for other people or and. Why isn't it coming along? But when I'm in a sweet spot with Jesus, that doesn't really bother me. I'm just content. Well, come what may, we'll enjoy it. Mary never said a word. She could have backfired and justified herself and said, Hey, what do you mean, like, Martha? That guy's in the middle of a parable. I'm here. Sounds better than a Glaswegian accent. I'm here. He's in the middle of a parable, man. I'm just going to sit here. And he finishes Jesus with on, on about Like, well, I'm sitting at his feet. How dare you come at me? I'm going to knock you out. Martha, come at you. are my sister. That's what happens with sisters. Mary was just delighted. She hit it huh? Sat at the feet of Jesus. She probably didn't even hear Martha. She's speaking. What's she even saying? And it was Jesus that said, My dear Martha. And I'm saying this as somebody that gets affected by the Martha spirit. Martha was having an incredible pity party. Why well, isn't helping me? Biblically, I'm not sure if a Christian should ever have a pity party. Because we have Jesus with the peace that surpasses our understanding. With he's a lover of our soul. Nothing gets done in our lives without his says so. Even in trial, he gives us cause to thank him. Even in perseverance he gives us cause to thank him. Christians, we, we shouldn't have a pity party of why is nobody de- I'm doing this? Why is nobody helping me? Although I must confess that can happen to me. But listen to the words of oh, Jesus, my dear Martha. And I guess picturing my head, this was a friendly exchange. Martha was welcoming. She just missed the moment. She was doing something that she thought was this vast importance. Jesus could have turned to and says, woe is you, Martha. I'm rebuking you. You're like a unbeliever. But the picture I've got, he just held Martha's hand and said these words, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Does anybody else ever get this in December? Details, 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 details. This is the word of the Lord for you. You put your name in here, this could be Jesus saying, Kevin, Kevin, Gilbert, Gillian, Gillian, you're worried and upset over all the excellency of your service. You're getting disappointed because people's ne helping as you would hear them help. And then he says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. And as Fiona was saying at the start, first for me, as I approach the season of details and excellency, that I would always find a place day on day at the feet of Jesus, gleaning for his wisdom gleaning for His presence. Jesus did not say, I have come to give you a Christmas season that will cause you strife. He says, I have come that you might have life, and life in its fullness. And it's a paradox and an irony of life that the Christmas season that celebrates our Savior can be at the same time, the season of so much distraction or details and excellency, and we get the January blues because we've missed the mark. And in January, Jesus is to turn up and say, Kevin, you were worried about all the details, all the stuff people were doing. Then I missed the one thing this Christmas. Hey, time to sit in the feet of Jesus, be in His environment. We're going to pray. I just want us to examine our our hearts. Will we approach December as busy, 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 I guarantee busy, busy, busy will end up you being grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. That was the Martha spirit, the Mary spirit. Oh, I will find time for Jesus. I will open up His word even though i the wisest rabbi on the face of the earth. I will have times of worship because He above everything else, He's a main thing. Mary discovered it, and she had quietness of spirit, quietness of heart, enjoying the very presence of Jesus. And the busyness and distraction, well, that would take care of itself, but for that moment it was mute to her. Jesus, I pray for us as a fellowship, as we enter in to busyness, the calendar would say we're going to be busy. But I pray in the midst of busyness that there is also enough hours in the day to spend time at your feet, your spiritual feet, to sat in a moments so of intimacy and connection. To just sit and say, Jesus, speak to me your servant is listening, to hear moments of saying, Jesus, I worship you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to say, Jesus, I thank you for that nailed, pierced hands, to consider hearing communion out with fellowship times. And we'd go into January with a January blues, but we'd go into January feeling refreshed, and hey, enjoy the time or church family together, another family that would look back and say, it "Wasn't it too stressful that we started turning on each other?" But it was your delight. We would serve with the hands of Martha and the heart of Mary, and we are careful, Jesus, to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And we would celebrate this Christmas season as the time that you came that You lived and You died and You rose again. Therefore, we can know You. We can have fellowship with You and help us to keep the main thing. And our thing we do is would be knowing You, King Jesus. And we thank You for the biblical examples of Martha, whom You loved and whom You taught, and Mary, whom You had her attention. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We've got to take up our tithes and offerings. If you have still to get tickets for the meal, then I go straight away. Please see Kylie. This is helpful for numbers. Just reminded, Rebecca is taking names for the Pensioners' meal, which was a great highlight last year. But let's stand in his presence. Hopefully, that's made sense to you. Hopefully, that helps. And I'd read this, the story of Mary and Martha a number of times. When I read it last week, I thought, hmm. "Too often, far too often, that I would care to admit of Martha. But let God fashion us to be a Mary, and then we'd serve with the heart of Mary, as Martha would serve. we had to take up our tithes and offerings as we give God all the glory."